Uh, today we're going to be in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're going to take a, a kind of a brief flyover of Ephesians. Uh, one of the big things that I want to, uh, to draw attention to is the order in which Ephesians is written. Um, Ephesians is a very uh, a powerful book. Um, a lot of us have been there through our different Bible studies and reading plans and stuff, uh, usually on the way of uh, how to live the Christian life. You know, there's a, there's a whole back half of that book that's mainly a lot of, uh, uh, almost like a to-do list. But then there's also the first half that a lot of times gets forgetting about or we focus all on it. Um, but I wanted to start with a question. It's, uh, what do you see when you read your Bible? A lot of people can see different things. If, if we look at some, some people are prone to look at it as a whole bunch of commands, a whole bunch of uh, a to-do list, uh, you know, a rule book, or maybe it's just a bunch of stories written by a bunch of guys that lived their lives a long time ago. Um, or do you see it as a spirit-inspired compilation of books and letters that's been written and preserved by God to show His glory and His power and His love for His children, for His creation. Do you see it as an instruction manual? Or do you see it as one of God's ways of communicating directly with you? See, we've all... Uh, uh, the way we read that, the way we see Scripture, has a huge effect on how we live our lives. Are we living in freedom? Or are we living in bondage of, of our personal perceptions of things? So this Scripture, the way we read Scripture, has a very freeing effect on us. We've all, uh, we've all sat here in these seats many times, and, uh, and Pastor Lee had been up here talking about think and feel and act. Well, that's, that's exactly what we can get. If we, the way we read Scripture is going to determine what we think about God, how we think about God, and in turn, how we think about ourselves, which is also going to tell us how we feel about God and how we feel about ourselves. And then, as we get back into uh, the last half of Ephesians and the commands, how we act, how we live these out in our daily lives. So, um, like I said, any of us that have done any amount of uh, reading, uh, Bible study reading plans, we spend a lot of time in that back half of Ephesians. Uh, we have a lot of commands there. Uh, in the book of Ephesians, what I wanted to point out today, this is a big word for, or two big words for a lot of you guys. I'm a geek, I get, I like it. Um, Ephesians is broke up pretty evenly on the first half, we have indicatives, okay? Those are declarations. This is what's already taken place on our behalf. This is what God has done. God is declaring what's happened. And then the second half, we have the imperatives, or the commands. These are how we should be living in response to, this is very important, how we live in response to declarations that God's already made. So, uh, just for a quick example, uh, indicatives would be uh, like what Chuck read for us this morning, Ephesians 1.3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So there's the word there, has. He has blessed us. We have already been blessed. This has already taken place. Ephesians 1.7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches in His grace. At the minute we believed in Christ, we have been redeemed. We have been forgiven. And then moving forward to the back half of the book, we have these verses that most of us are pretty familiar with too. 
Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Then Ephesians 6.10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. These are all actions that are supposed to take place on our part. These are things that, like I said, where we get the rule book, the to-do list. What we have to remember is that the balance is crucial in these. Okay? We cannot look at all commands or all declarations. If we look at either one by themselves, we distort the gospel. We want to make sure we take, take guard of our own hearts and ourselves that we don't do this. If we look at only the commands, we become legalistic. It's a works-based theology. It's moralistic. Uh, that's showing a lot of pride on our part. But at myself, as maybe some of you, I find that almost comforting. Because I can look and say, well, here, love my wife as Christ loved the church. I checked that off. I did that. Okay, I'm good. Uh, Forgive one another, okay? Making progress there. It's comforting to see that I can make that progress. But that's not what Scripture teaches. We're not to do it on our own. We're to do it through His help, through the power of the Spirit. On the other hand, if we look at all the, the uh, indicatives, all the declarations, we take this totally liberal, liberalistic view that says, well, yes, I'm forgiven, therefore my actions don't really matter. And that cheapens grace. And that's, that is a bad representation of Christ and a bad representation of the church. And our grace, though it's free to us, it is by no means cheap. Christ paid for it with His life, with His blood. So if we look at the whole book of Ephesians, how can we live free and not be legalistic with a book that's almost three chapters worth of commands? Now you said in the beginning, pay attention to the order in which Ephesians was written. First of all, we have this whole list of the, the indicatives, the declarations of what God's done for us. And there's a command that's found in Ephesians chapter 2 that starts us all off walking in freedom. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. It says, Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. First of all, I want to point out that the Gentiles in the flesh, that's you, that's me, that's us. We were at one time Gentiles in the flesh. It says, remember. Paul just spent a chapter and a half writing about everything that God did, all that Christ accomplished on the cross because of God's sovereignty, because of God's plan, ultimately because of His love. Paul just gave the Gentiles this long statement that said that they were loved by God and they were purposed. He gave them life. It says, remember chapter 1 and 2. In chapter 2, verse 13, he says, but now, in Christ. This in Christ is a, is a huge truth for us to, to grasp. This is something that uh, we kind of touched on last week. But this in Christ is not just us in Christ or you in Christ for a salvation aspect, but it's 
Christ is in you. Christ dwells inside you through the Holy Spirit. Go back, we're going to quickly look at uh, chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. At the time you were saved, at the time you believed, at the time... God awakened you, made you alive again. The Holy Spirit took up residence in you. He lives in you. With that comes great power, great strength. All this happened at the same time. It's a union. It's not only Him in us. It's not only us in Him, but it's a union. We are living life together. This is the immeasurable power that Paul talks about in Romans It says in Romans that this is the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. The same Spirit that lives inside of us is the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead. Farther on in Ephesians, he writes about it again. He says uh, in chapter 1, verses 19, What is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might, that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him with Him at the right hand in the heavenly places? This Holy Spirit, like we talked about last week, or like Pastor talked about last week, this Holy Spirit is what creates faith in us. Without the Holy Spirit, we have no faith. Without the faith, we don't have the Holy Spirit. This is a simultaneous thing. When we receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, that's our faith. It's a gift from God. This is, not, this is faith in all of chapter 1. This first half of chapter 2, and every promise we can find in Scripture, every other declaration that we can make, that we can find that God has made uh, to us. More importantly, it's the faith by the one and by whom all these things take place in Jesus. It's faith in Jesus. It's the one who accomplished these things on our behalf, the one who makes these declarations possible. Remember, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, it's for by grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. This really jumped out at me as we have this whole book of Ephesians. Like I said, we always go to for our commands in Scripture. But yet the very first command in the book is remember. It's not go do. It's not... Strap, pull up your bootstraps and go do it. It's remember. Remember what's already taken place on your behalf. As we move along, the next part to this order that I want to point out in Ephesians uh, comes in Ephesians chapter 4. Okay. This, is, uh, this is where uh, Dan led into so appropriately when you trade something of lesser in for new. Ephesians 4.22 says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says to put off your old self that was dead in his trespasses, to trade in that lesser for the new. Put off your old self that lived in the passions of the flesh, carrying out the desires of the body. Remember that that old self 
was lost without hope, separated from Christ, alienated. Not just separated, but alienated. It was forcefully kept away. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Remember what God has done through you through Jesus. Put off the old self. Walk in a new self that, has, that, that can declaim all these declarations that were made in chapters 1 and chapter 2. Colossians says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is that Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. That's what's inside of you. Paul says to put on the new self in the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. That's the Holy Spirit inside you. Walk in the Spirit is what he says elsewhere. Last week, uh, we had this, uh, the verse uh, that everybody likes on their coffee cup, Galatians 2.20. That's exactly what Paul's saying here. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's exactly what Paul's saying here. He's saying that he has crucified his flesh. He has put off his old self. And it's no longer he who lives, but Christ who lives in him. That's the Holy Spirit as we allow him to live through us. We are living in the faith of the Son of God. This is not something that Paul did under his own power, nor can we. We do it through the power of the Spirit. Pastor said last week, this, this, this statement that, that uh, stands out to me, it's the same faith that justifies, is the same faith that mortifies. It's the same faith that we have in Jesus Christ that brings about our salvation, that allows us to put off our old self. Which brings me to this point that we have to recognize what the old self is, Right? How can we put it off if we don't know what it is? We have to have faith. Here's why it takes faith. Usually, the sin in our lives, the old self, as we look at Paul's list elsewhere, in a couple weeks we're going to get into Ephesians uh, chapter 5. He has a list there. We look at these sins, the old self, almost always they're acts of self-preservation. And usually at somebody else's expense. Versus walking in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, we talked about before, how fruit is always for somebody else's benefit. right? Sometimes, quite often, it's sacrificial, but not always. A lot of times it's mutually beneficial. That we can bear fruit for somebody, and it's also building us up as well. So recognize what's the old and what's the new. So this order that I wanted to point out, we can see as we start with Ephesians chapter 1, it has all these wonderful declarations about who God is, how sovereign He is, how, uh, how much He's done for us, and who Christ is, the, the agent by which all these things happen. These things are accomplished on our behalf, and they're declared to us in Scripture. Then we remember that. That's the truth that we walk in. That's the power that we walk in. The faith that we walk in is remembering who God is, who Christ is, what He's done for us, that He's made us with a purpose, that He's made us in His image, that He's made us, He's given us power. Then we've put off the old self. Now remember, it's one, two, we have all these indicatives, then we have the commands to remember and put off the old self, and then at the end of Ephesians we find all these commands about loving your wife and forgiving one another and not provoking your children to anger. If we keep these things in this order, the end of the book becomes like a checklist for us, not a to-do list. This is very important to remember that this, 
we can try to walk and, and carry out all these commands, but then we're starting to walk on our own power. But if we keep this proper order that, that's laid out here in Ephesians, we can ask the question, am I loving my wife like Christ loved the church? And if the answer is no, what part of my old self is standing in the way? What part of my old self am I looking at and not looking at Christ? Am I standing strong in the Lord or in the strength of His might? Or am I living in fear? If I'm living in fear, what sin is in my life that's robbing me from the power that's inside of me? If we take these things out of order, we're working under our own rules and our own power. We distort the gospel. This is why the, the first part of the book is so important. Because as we wrap our minds around what the gospel is, the gospel is God's good news, not our works. The gospel is that Jesus paid the price, not our efforts. It's God's plan, not ours. The gospel is that Jesus came to live in and through you. Jesus died to make you a new creation. Jesus rose from the grave to make us new in Christ. So the way that we can live in freedom is to focus on Jesus. We don't have to focus on the to-do list. We focus on Jesus. The last verse that I want to point out today is 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18. And it's, this is how this is summed up. This is what Paul writes here again to us, that we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, and the commands are a checklist, not a to-do list. We don't have to walk in our own power. Second Corinthians three seventeen and 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I hope, I, my prayer is that we catch that, that, that as we walk in the Spirit, as we put off our old self and walk in, in the newness of the Spirit that He's created us in, that there's freedom there. There's not a to-do list. There's not, a, a, there's not a legalistic view of things, but there's Spirit and freedom. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is Spirit. So if we live in the Spirit, we're living in freedom. If we focus on Him, if we're focused on Jesus, we can start to identify in our lives what's the old, what's the lesser, as Dan put it, and what's of the Spirit. Focusing on Him, it takes our eyes off of ourselves and our flesh desires. As we do that, we automatically become more like Him. This beholding is keeping our eyes, our gaze fixed on Him and what He's doing in us, what He's doing through us. God doesn't want us to live with a burden of a to-do list. God wants us to live in that power. He wants us to live in that freedom. He wants us to be in a loving relationship with Him that is only found as we walk in the newness of the Spirit that's inside of us. Just a quick thought I had this morning as, uh, uh, as I was getting up this morning and uh, 
My beautiful wife was still in bed comfortably. <laughs> and I, I got dressed and I went back over to the bed and I, uh, I kissed her and, and I told her she was beautiful. And she, yeah, 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 you know, still sleeping and everything. And uh, something about beauty rest, this and that. And I said, I probably couldn't handle that. But anyhow, I told her, and I'm getting brownie points here today. I said, <laughs> I said honey, you get more beautiful every day. Okay? When we walk in the Spirit, that's the same thing that God can say about us. Because every day as we walk in the Spirit, as we put our old self off, we're made more into the image of His Son. And he says that that's beautiful. That's what he wants for us. As we put off our old selves, we walk in the newness of the Spirit, become like Christ, becoming more beautiful, more powerful every day. So to live in true freedom is to recognize and to always remember who God is, who Jesus is, what he's done for you by the power of Jesus Christ and his Spirit that lives inside of you. Remember that Christ is in you. He lives inside of you, and He wants, He desires to bring glory to the Father. And He wants to use you to do it. So the, biggest, the only command we really need to follow is remember that, recognize that, recognize the old self, put the old self, and walk in the spirit of the newness of life that He gives us. Remember that He wants to bring glory to the Father through you. So allow them to do it. Let go of ourselves. So we'll close up in prayer. Uh, the altar will be open. Uh, if anybody has any questions, desires to... If, if you're not sure of that spirit that's inside of you, come talk to somebody, please. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for your word uh, that does encourage us so much, that, that, that can build us up, that uh, I pray this morning did build us up, that... Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, these thoughts that, uh, that I've had uh, were communicated clearly, that, uh, that we can understand that, that it's not a, you don't want us to feel burdened. You don't want us to feel uh, under your thumb. But you want us to enjoy abundant life. You want us to walk in the newness. You want us to walk in your spirit. You want us to walk in love. And there's great freedom there. Knowing that we don't have to be worried about our performance because you've declared that Jesus' performance was enough. God, I pray that our hearts can, can more fully understand that. Lord, I pray that the, the spirit that you've created in us, in your image, in your likeness, in your righteousness, would, would come to the forefront of our lives, and we would recognize that and walk in that as we put off the old self, the old hindrance, the sins that hold us down, the, the old flesh that keeps us bound but that we would be free. That as Paul says, we could live our lives in faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. Because we know where your Spirit is, there is freedom. And we know that's power working in us. And Lord, we pray that we can do this to your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.